0: It comes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns, just turns to dust. dust. Like eye contact with a strangers a stranger from the crowded room. It's a dream that you to be real. A passing note of the song. A glimmer, a of the, the shifting sea. So a <laughs> Goodness! Oh. where shall where is this heading? Cheers, think, y'all! Cheers!
1: cheers. Happy St. <laughs> Patty's Day! St. Patty's, day. Patty's oh. day! But Goodness. cheers to the actual Irish people in the house. Okay. Oh well, yeah,
0: that is me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am Irish. I Got so left out. <clears throat> Those checks are just. Uh, came, oh right, you're Irish too, Allison. <clears throat> She's like Kelly. Indeed, indeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am. Um, yeah, McCloskey and a Kelly, mm-hmm. and then a. Uh, as they say it out in west texas (laughs)
1: exactly
0: Um, yeah so saint patty's day it's uh it's hard to ignore the fact that this is also basically the one year anniversary of when it all went down when it all went down (laughs) the beginning of the pandemic Uh the beginning of what seems to be the rest of our lives (laughs) totally Mm -hmm. i have some some strong feelings about that wow is is that hitting y'all in any kind of a oh, fresh sure. way?
1: For sure. <clears throat> um, but it hit me the most. Uh, was it last week that the governor lifted the mask ban? About
0: a week, maybe two weeks.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, that day is when I felt just such a significant shift. Hmm. I actually felt that in my body. It was weird. Um for me, that day felt like the beginning of the end of all this. Hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I think a lot of people are having a lot of big feelings about the anniversary of this coming up. And, and I think we store a lot of that in our bodies as, as well. Um, so yeah, fair enough, right? Like have yeah. we even begun to process what what the hell just happened and is still happening. It's like it's not over.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I feel like it coming up on a year has been the first time where you can actually say like, okay, you can talk about it in the past tense for the first time, even though it's not but over. Right,
1: it's not over.
0: No, it's not over, but there's like a a marking in time that's like that year, that the year of that. You know, even if even if this continues another six months, let's say it's like marking the anniversary. I and mean, this is why we mark anniversaries of births and relationships and all kinds of things. There's something significant about that. Yeah. It puts a quantifiable portion of it in the past, such that you can talk about it in the past tense.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: And I don't think you can, you know, this, this last year has been super hard on everyone. I don't think you can really begin to process that or grieve that until you can mark it and say, you know, there it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that, and the idea of this one year thing camp coming up, I think feels like or not coming up being here. Uh, it feels like, Oh man, we lost so much. Like the first thought for me was, <clears throat> I remember in, in February and early March of last year, we were thinking, What is this going to be like there's something going on in china uh Mm -hmm. should we be worried you know there's a case here case there in the states um when south by southwest got canceled Mm. yeah that's huge that's when it became something and i didn't really think too much about the loss of south by southwest but as it's coming up again here year one and we're not doing it again this year and i'm thinking like I'm feeling the loss of that mm-hmm. and what that contributes to our community and, and how it makes Austin what it is in a huge way. And, mm-hmm. and it even like provides a natural sort of seasonal cycle of your, of your community life, mm-hmm. you know, just like the seasons, the four seasons help sort of regulate your, well, maybe like your progress through the year, just like the sun regulates your sleep cycle, South by Southwest kind of like regulates something in Austin, you know, spring's coming, everybody gets out, you blow off some steam, you get a little bit of a reprieve from your normal schedule. Most people work very different hours or very few hours or...
1: Um, or all the hours. Or all the hours.
2: hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, South By is always like yeah. full on for me. Right. I
1: mean, do you experience it differently, the loss of South By differently because you're a musician? Like, did you participate heavily in South By?
0: Some oh, years, years, yes. Yeah, some years, no. Um, I don't think so. I, I mean, I always enjoyed South by whether I was playing or not. Mm-hmm. It just felt like something beautiful and awful that you look forward to <laughs> and you're glad when it's over, uh, totally. you know, but you need it to happen.
1: Uh-huh. <clears throat> it's funny. It's foreign to me. I never participated in it. Mm. So... I don't. Uh, I think the loss of that hasn't doesn't impact me as much hmm. as some people who, yeah, like you. Who it's very much a part of your true annual experience.
0: Yeah, I guess I could see that. Like maybe as a musician, because I would make commitments to participate in South by, it made me spend a lot more time there than I would have otherwise. Mm-hmm. Because the funny thing about South by is that when, you know when it's on once you're in it, you don't really get to leave.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it's really difficult to leave. Yeah. You're downtown in just these throngs of people. It's next to impossible to get a cab or an Uber. Mm-hmm. So once you're there, you're there. And so you just kind of have to go with the flow and you end up having a great time. But I remember one year, it was like two, two thirty 30 in the morning and I was ready to go home. And this is when I lived, um, I think I lived seven miles north of downtown mm-hmm. and <clears throat> could not find a ride. No cabs to be found. Maybe this was kind of like right when Uber and Lyft had just kind of started working in Austin and, and they just didn't have enough. I ended up walking all the way home. Wow. At 2.30 in the morning with a buddy of mine. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> it sounds was, terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> you know, but these are the these are great stories that you yeah. look fondly on. from the past where you don't have to experience the pain. You just enjoy the memory. Right. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I I mean, I saw um, a post, uh, one of the main guys, Jared Neese, Mm -hmm. um, he posted about recently about the, the cancellation last year and what a day that was for him. And I just couldn't even imagine yeah, he's in charge
2: of all like the the film festival does, part of yeah. He's in charge of the film,
1: but I can't imagine the amount of work and planning and yeah, hours totally. and just the sheer time and money that goes into planning that event and <sighs> just gone. Yeah. Like, how do you even?
0: Yeah. Well, that's kind of true for all of us at some level, right? Sure. Oh yeah. We like, like
2: we, we upped our poundage of coffee we we're roasting and I mean, it was like we were full on and then it canceled and we were sitting on coffee that we had to kind
0: of like <laughs> play out for the like two right. weeks. So. Right. Well, I'm just thinking even on a level that, you know, at any given moment, each of us has some amount of like it. Plans in motion, or that we're working toward, however well articulated those are, and I think most of us probably suffer from um, failing to very clearly articulate our goals and our plans. But they're there, mm-hmm. and you are working towards them, and investing things in them—time, thought, energy, love, money, whatever that may be—and um, for all that to sort of just be put into the question, the category of a question mark at the drop of a hat, which is what it kind of really was. It was like between like St. Patrick's day 2020. And I think when, when did the stay at home orders hit, it was like March 23rd,
1: I think 23rd or 24th.
0: Yeah. So that six day period, it's like the entire year then was dashed Mm -hmm. for everyone. And we all lived a very different year, a very different life.
1: We didn't know it was going to be a whole year. Oh no! Remember,
0: it was two weeks to slow the spread, uh-huh.
1: flatten the curve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: they kind of was like May was sort of like the the next sort of like okay by May we'll be through this or something like that. But pretty much like March, we went from like 100 miles an hour to you know 10 miles an hour. Like by this time right now, within a week, I had to like let go half my staff, close a whole store down. Mm-hmm. I mean that's like. Within two weeks of of South by, like we were like first we were like, oh South by sucks. We're gonna miss all that. I don't know how we're gonna make it through. One of our stores really thrives during South by, and then everyone starts like not being downtown at all, mm-hmm. and totally sucked the life of it, of the store out. And yeah, you know, luckily we were able to get out of our lease on that one. But it was a so much happened in about a two week period that was. Kind of ridiculous. Like, I remember it's like we all like got together, made these decisions, and we're going, "Oh shit, we gotta let go of like half our staff," and we all cried and did it. And
0: yeah, that was insane. It was insane. Allison, you you were talking before the podcast about about um, dealing with some feelings of anger about. Mm The last year that seemed to kind of jump out and surprise you. But I I found that to be very, well, almost encouraging in a way. How do you mean? Well, that you were able to recognize that and sit with it and, um, come to a place where you could resolve that to some degree by saying, I need to forgive.
1: Yeah. Yeah so many things were broken, right? Like our relationships with so many things. And this week with our kids gone and just this anniversary coming up, I feel like I'm taking a breath and trying to take stock, you know, of... Um, like I told like a friend, some friends were over and I told them my like the, the state of me feels like I'm coming off the battlefield. And you know, it's like we're just in this battle. You're just doing what you have to do to stay alive. You're getting shot shot up yeah. all to hell, but you've got adrenaline, you keep going. And then it feels like the battle has stopped and I'm coming off the battlefield and you look down and you're like, "Oh, I'm shot to hell. I need I'm bleeding out." Like <laughs> I got some cuts here. but I got some bullet holes here. Mm-hmm. Like trying to figure out which ones. <laughs> what do I deal with first? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like which wound do I do I pay attention to first? Um. And my anger at the city is just what came up for me today, and how. Well, and that was probably the first. The first fear, the first panic that I <clears throat> felt was that, oh, my gosh, the city's going to shut my business down. Like, this is our life's work. This is what we have given. We have sacrificed yeah. <laughs> so much over the last 15 years to build this thing and grow this thing. And now the city's just going to shut it down. Mm-hmm. Like, it just rip away Anyway, the the trauma of that and the anger that I feel, um, about being forced into that circumstance, even though, yes, like I know they're, you know, they're doing their best, like trying to keep people safe. They're using whatever information they had available. All that's true, but still it, Completely crippled our business, totally. and
0: um, yeah, it doesn't have to be for the best or not, like it could have been for the best or not. I feel like the act that act alone could like that's hard, yeah to have someone else come in and say, You got to stop we're taking basically taking that from you,
1: yeah, yeah. So I'm probably dealing with the anger is the first step of the process of healing for me. But me just acknowledging this hurt me. This hurt my business. This hurt my family. And the but hanging on to the anger and the bitterness ultimately is only hurting me more. So I'm trying to work myself into that place of forgiveness so that I can keep going, so that I can feel the space to rebuild instead of like bitterness of having to rebuild. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, That's so good.
1: Yeah. A, I, feel, I feel lighter.
0: I, I like the way you said that, <laughs> like have the space to rebuild rather than rebuilding out of bitter, bitterness.
1: <clears throat> yeah.
0: I, and I hope that, you know, my hope for this city which has been so important to all of us yeah. and to so many for so many years you know in different capacities it's changed a lot over the past decade for instance it's a different place than it was you know in the 90s and surely a different place than it was in the 70s mm-hmm. um but i think the thing that's so compelling about austin is that it's a it's an it feels to me like an intentional town like there's there's intention behind it and love for it behind it. And if we, you know, we lost a lot of businesses in the last year and a lot of businesses are barely holding on and may not make it yet. Um, there's going to be a lot of rebuilding of our community to do. Mm. And if we're doing that at any level out of bitterness, that's going to fundamentally change what makes this city so great. Mm. We've got to find a way to come To a point to say we're going to do this out of love and space and ability and strength, rather than to try to regain what we lost, we've got to build something new. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or I don't mean something new as indifferent than what it was before, but I I just mean well by definition anything. Yeah. Is going to be new and we've got to put the same love and intention into that, that we put in to what made this city, what it was,
2: <clears throat> which is interesting. Like, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how people recover from this, especially like those who have kind of built Austin, uh, to where it is today. You know, it's like, there's a lot of people coming in, a lot of money, a lot of businesses, uh, from New York and California and they're coming here for a reason because Austin has this unique culture and unique space. Like we kind of talked about on the last podcast. It's a, it's a blue city and a red state and there's something really, I think really cool about that, yeah. that tension as well as like healthy. It's a healthy tension. Um, you know, so I think as far as like the rebuilding and and moving on from here, it's like, I think a lot of us that are kind of more native to Austin being able to carry that spirit into the future, I think yeah. it's really important and valuable. Um, but I also, I like, what I also was saying, is like, it like, I think a lot of us who have been here through this are kind of a little bit beat down. So it's like, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you reinvigorate yourself to move right. forward and continue to build <sighs> right. on what, what a great city this, this,
0: this, you know, what Austin is, you know, I'd say you could start by going and laying in the sun at Barton Springs and then <laughs> totally. jumping in for a dip. <laughs> oh, I need to do that. <laughs> That'll reinvigorate you right quick. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah.
1: I really think there needs to be a memorial. Hmm. And I think I probably talked about this idea last Yeah, summer. you were
0: talking about this, like, right at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Of the pandemic.
1: Right. As you, I mean, as all the, I mean, because Austin is so hyper local. Mm-hmm. That's what you're talking about. Like, part of what makes it unique is why our airport is filled with local businesses. Right. Like, what airport does that? Um, it's be- because we, we value the unique identity of our city and what it creates. And we have lost so much, so many businesses. And I really feel like there needs to be some kind of memorial. A friend of mine, someone's created a poster. I need mm. to find it. Um, what we lost, Austin 2020. Um, and there was uh, like watercolor drawings of certain businesses. But, I mean...
0: Didn't you come up with a, na- a name for this idea? Uh,
1: probably. <laughs> it's like lost to <laughs> you now. <laughs> I, I don't remember. Okay. But I just, I feel like it needs to... Happen somehow, um, just to acknowledge like this our city went through this thing and a, so much was lost. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I love that, I think it'd be
1: special, huge, yeah, you know, like, like there's pictures of, um, you know, like after a flood comes. And, like, wipes out some town. And you see these before and after pictures.
2: Like, Galveston or something like that. Right. Yeah. It's
1: like, I feel like that. It's like there was this economic tsunami that wiped out a ton of really unique, a ton of businesses that really influenced the culture. And to, to be able to acknowledge that in some way in order to, like, get to the next, right? Mm-hmm. And not just keep clinging to oh the, everything that was lost and it'll never be as good and i don't know
2: because there's also like i mean again i'm always kind of even more positive in this area is like there's so much opportunity right now to rebuild and to make something better too and um, i don't know i think that's that's the part for those of us who've gone through that here in Austin is to be able to see those opportunities to rebuild and make something even better. Because it's somewhat easier if you move from someplace and you move into a new place, you kind of have a little bit more reinvigoration, you know, because it's like, this is new. Um, but when you live in a place and you've gone through it, it's kind of like, it seems like it takes a little bit more or longer to kind of recover from that. So it's like, how can you... How can you reinvigorate the the businesses that are here right now? Like, I mean, the people I talk to are like sort of like, you know, they're pretty beaten down from this last right. this last year. It's like trying to keep all these things together. It's like
1: right, right. I mean, I I feel like there needs to be space to grieve before mm-hmm. trying to recreate.
0: Yeah, I feel like we've got to get back. whenever it can happen to some, you know, something that hasn't happened in a long time. Like I'm starting to go out a little bit more than I was in terms of like going to a restaurant or Mm -hmm. whatever. And there was something that I loved about Austin and, you know, maybe it's just by virtue of being here as long as I have, I've been here for over, well over a decade. And, um, and, and Austin's the right size town to facilitate this, but, in pre pandemic, you, I couldn't, I didn't often go somewhere and not run into someone that I knew. Mm. And that's a really, I think, important part of the community here mm-hmm. is that, well, if I can compare it to um, I grew up in a very small town, I think when we first moved there, the population sign, which, you know, is always out of date <laughs> said something like 4,900 people or something. And the thing about growing up in a small town like that, especially when you're a kid who, uh, is, uh, (laughs) well, as a kid, you are prone to troublemaking. (laughs) Um, but when you're in in a small town like that, it's, it's pretty hard to make trouble because everyone knows you and everyone (laughs) knows your parents and Uh there aren't really many secrets. It also breeds a very gossipy culture, Uh um, but Austin was just kind of the right size where, you know, you, you can't, if you're a person who goes out very often, you can't reasonably expect to have any anonymity, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be, you're going to run into someone, you know, or someone, you know, is going to see you, mm-hmm. whether you end up interacting or not. Um, and I think we've got to, in order to grieve as a community, what we've lost, we've got to get back to a point where we can start meeting up with one another. hmm and running into the people that you know, maybe we weren't close enough with to see or to to be like calling or texting over the last year, but that person that you would run into once a month and you would have a ten minute conversation that mm-hmm. you know made like that was a vital part of community life. Mm-hmm. I think we kind of got to get back to that, and then we can start grieving because then, then those stories can start to be shared, not just the stories that, that you have or that you're closest family and friends have told you, but like all the people, you know, that you've forgotten about, you know, and those stories start to be shared and then grieving can actually happen. And then I think from that, a seed of, um, a seed of something new can start to grow.
2: Well, even today, I mean, like that kind of happened to a, a guy who used to work for me who, uh, now works, uh, uh, for somebody else in computers and stuff like that. Uh, I was like, hey, I haven't seen you in so long, and and uh, he was just like, yeah, I haven't really gone out at all. It's like I've just now started getting out, and it's like it truly is a year later. Yeah, and I was just like, wow, it's like it's kind of amazing, like different people's experience of this last year, where you know uh, we've kind of like met at you, we've had to kind of be out in it this whole time, you know, but then just seeing over the last six months specifically different people kind of sticking their head out and like, (laughs) like, Hey, what's going on out here? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're like, Oh yeah, we've been here to kind of like trying to like move through this. And it's like, uh, so it's fascinating to see and hear different people's like experience Mm and, in this whole, uh, pandemic and stuff.
0: So, yeah, I feel like you've had a fairly unique experience Mm -hmm. over the, the, the course of the past year because you have, you were running your business, which is, um, reliant on in-person transactions. Yeah. So while a lot of like my, myself, I don't have to leave my house for my job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can easily spend a week, weeks, months, whatever, you know, go to the grocery store every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Don't really have to do much else. Yeah.
1: You don't even have to really do that.
0: <laughs> that was the one thing I wouldn't, I didn't give up. Yeah. I never started doing the curbside.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Our wait. delivery, hello.
0: More delivery, no. Or even you and I were doing
2: our podcast for remote for a three bit. months or something like that. Yeah, and that was kind of wild. And then, yeah. and then when we started doing our the podcast in person again, it was like it's like, okay, should we be doing this? And like we had that sort of <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's it interesting, like just having that, like, oh wait, no, this is we're just gonna we're just gonna have our little circle here. You know, you start building these circles of like mm-hmm. people that you're around and do things with and stuff. Which is Your quarantine, yeah, quarantine bubbles, whatever you call them. Mm-hmm. It's like now I'm kind of just hating all of that, but it made sense at the time, you know, because yeah. we didn't know a lot what was, yeah. what was happening. So, well,
0: I think it's interesting that over the, the course of the last year, you know, we have this initial reaction mm-hmm. as a country: mm-hmm. um, this thing is coming, and we don't know. We have no idea how infectious it is. We have no idea how deadly it is. We mm-hmm. have. No idea how much of it is already in the community. We don't know. Um, we, we we know almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the downside is bad enough to where we need to react as if that's what will happen. So we did. Yeah, it was like two million will die right. in a, at the first, or right. even more than that. Yeah, and thank God that that didn't happen. Totally, exactly. But I thought it was interesting, because over the course of the year, really until... Um until the vaccines started coming, which mm-hmm. is really only about it's been going on for a little over a month.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like beginning of January, I think is when that really started ramping. Yeah. Um so so April twenty twenty to you know, or late March twenty twenty to January twenty twenty one It doesn't seem like we learned any significant new information that substantially changed our messaging and behavior. Mm-hmm. Now over the course of time, <clears throat> some things changed, you know, like every bar was shut down for a long time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then at some point, some of the bars got themselves rezoned as restaurants and put in some procedures and, you know, a few opened up here and there and there was a couple of people who would go and, you know, things started slowly changing. Yeah. Um, but now that we have the vaccines, the vaccines seem to be the first substantially new piece of information that is going to change something.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think, I think, as you said earlier, like with the governor lifting the mask mandate, I think that was mostly symbolic, mm-hmm. but symbolic of something which is true, which is that I think we are at the end. hmm. You know, and the end is going to be a period of time. Totally, but I think we're here,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and thank God for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's the truth. <laughs> happy Saint Cheers Patrick's Day. <laughs> I
1: like oh that. <sighs> yeah, I thought it was. Speaking of symbolic, the day that he lifted the mask ban, I was on Town Lake, and I mean everything was brown 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 from the freeze which is typically oh, yeah. not at this time of year um it's you know by March, by mid-march stuff is pretty lush generally
0: speaking mm-hmm. of loss i'm feeling the loss of all of the plant life from that freeze oh, yeah. <laughs> like all of the just naturally growing cactuses and succulents Salt. or cacti and mm-hmm. succulents <laughs> it's wild what happened what happened to them mm-hmm. they turned into mush yeah. <laughs> sad yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: um yeah, so I was that day. I was down on Town Lake, and everything's brown. But there was one flower. I saw one flower, and it was a bluebonnet.
2: Oh, nice!
1: And something about it, I was like, "Of course, the one flower that's going to be blooming."
0: Star it's it's flower, it's, it's
1: our Texas bluebonnet going to go on and, yeah, and uh, just bloom in the middle of this dead winter. Just go on and bloom. Go on and bloom. <laughs> and, and shoot fire. And it felt true and it felt to me linked with the symbol of the governor lifting this mandate before everyone thinks it's safe it it feels like the essence of what texas is meant to be uh as a people and as a leader is to go on, go ahead and do the do the thing do the hard thing yeah do the scary thing. Like maybe that's part of the pioneer spirit of Mm. the state, but let's go ahead and get our economy thriving when everyone else feels like we should stay winter still risk
0: averse. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm.
2: What is definitely a very Texas, like, uh, you know, obviously it's got its shadows and stuff like that too, but it's like, you know, Texas does have sort of a risk taker, um, aspect to it you know it's like mm-hmm. the pioneer spirit and and it's like it would make sense that like okay hey no okay we need to start moving in this direction and uh, I don't know I, I've right. always I've always loved that about Texas well, in general
1: I mean am I wrong in that the point of removing the mask mandate and the percentage limitations capacity. capacity limitations is to begin to revitalize the economy hmm I mean, isn't that the point? Like, we need to get people back out. We need to, like, kickstart the economy again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, because this is quality of life. This is how we get people, you know, working. And mm. isn't that the point? <laughs> and that Texas would be a leader in that. Prioritizing that mm-hmm. is what makes sense to me. Like,
0: Yeah, it, I, surely that's part of the point and and you can you can justify the move on that basis i think <clears throat> but i really did like abbott's his justification was the state doesn't need to be telling businesses and individuals what to do yeah. they can make their own decisions and i thought that was really good and really important because i think if you're going to move out of a place of fear you're not going to move out of a place of fear because someone tells you that it's safe. Like, I don't think like in some way, that's why I say that the move was symbolic. It wasn't, it wasn't effectively changing anything. Mm -hmm. It was basically saying decide you decide you business, you restaurant and, and you individuals who want to go to that place. Mm -hmm decide how you want to be and be that way. And that's, what's going to start giving people the, the strength of resolve to say, I'm going to start changing my, my fear dealing with my fear. Mm-hmm. Cause you can only, I think you can really only deal with your fear through owning it yourself. Yeah. Like you can, you can only get through fear by facing it yourself. You can't, no one can relieve that of you. They can comfort you, but whatever it is that you're afraid of, you're the one who has to go face it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: No one else can face it for you. So I think that was a really great step to say, okay, you know, if you don't want to face it, don't face it. Like you don't have to, you can require masks. You can. And even if the business you want to go to doesn't require masks, you can wear a mask. Mm-hmm. You do you, you do your thing. <clears throat> but I think it gave license to start facing our fears. Yeah. And I think that that license is, is required to move forward, whether he did it, you know, two weeks ago or in a month, it had to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so that to me, I think is what's most important about it. And I think that will revitalize our economy because, you know, our economy requires people doing things. If people aren't doing things, then we have no economy. And people aren't going to do things when they're afraid of doing things. And so it's the, like the first step is I'm allowing you to face your fear.
2: Mm-hmm. Great. It's also like just the idea of personal responsibility. It's like, you know, the state and the federal come in in extreme circumstances and say, Hey, okay, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. But time, at some point the state and the federal have to release that personal responsibility to the individual. If not, then all you have is a, I mean basically a totalitarian government that is telling you what to do at all times.
0: Right. And you can't have a functioning economy. And when I say functioning, I mean generative, creative, mm-hmm. making things, doing things. You can't have an you can't have that when you have top-down control. Yeah. And it's just like when you're running a business, you don't want to just tell everybody what to do. Mm-hmm. You want to give them responsibility. Yeah to do what they might do mm-hmm. because what let's say a hundred people might do is far more productive than what you could imagine to tell them to do. Oh, it's like, you know,
2: the difference between Starbucks and Medici, it's like you have a script with Starbucks. It's like, well, with Medici it's like you have a lot more leeway in how you engage the customer, you mm-hmm. know? It's a, and, and some of that is, you know, you have to take responsibility and also, Make an effort to engage. That's interesting. Yeah, rather than telling somebody, "Hey," when a customer says, "You say these three things." Welcome to Starbucks. Uh, How was your day? You know, or whatever it might be. But here, it could be like, "Hey, what's going on? How are you doing today?" You know, it's like, Hmm. or it could be, you know, any number of things. I mean, most most baristas and that that have been around a while, it's like you kind of have like this ability to engage each customer differently and it's kind of fun because you kind of like hey what's up oh man hey what's going on you know it's like you you kind of like this because it makes it interesting for you uh but it takes people taking personal responsibility to engage rather than top-down scripting you know
0: this makes me think of um chick-fil-a oh yeah as an extreme example of that because they're all super friendly and everyone Mm -hmm. loves chick-fil-a i mean Mm -hmm. come on now
2: yeah, um, <laughs>
0: totally. you know, but at the end of every every interaction, they always say, "My pleasure." My pleasure. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because that is almost a barrier to relationship, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas the coffee shops I go to, I generally they generally know me by only, name, only in right? Right. <laughs> and and I generally know them by name, or oh, yeah. you know, and that's the same applies to like the restaurants in the neighborhood that I go to regularly, mm-hmm. or the bars or whatever, you know. But it's like. I don't know anybody at Chick-fil-A's name. Yeah, totally. You know, and I think there's actually a good reason for that. Because uh-huh. Chick-fil-A is operating at a scale where um, with what they need is consistency. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got, that, maybe, got that Guinness slurp.
1: Maybe you just don't eat enough Chick-fil-A. <laughs> or it could be that. Ooh, well, well
0: but yeah, that is true. I don't eat there very often. But um, I think when there is something scripted, it's scripted so that it's consistent. Mm-hmm. And it being consistent is anti-relational mm-hmm. in that way.
1: Oh, You know what the worst scripted line I ever got was? Um, at Wendy's. And I ordered, and they gave me my food and money and said, Okay, see you tomorrow.
0: <laughs> Presumptive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like... <clears throat> you're like I, you
0: I hope not fast food <laughs>
1: like I can't believe they told someone to say that that's funny like
0: it's kind of genius s- a little bit why
2: because <laughs> like see you tomorrow you're like oh am I coming tomorrow like, like you might not even think about it but it's like puts a little thing in the back of your head of like I will see you tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> these
0: <laughs> these are the burgers you're looking
2: for <laughs> exactly
1: Oh, I I did not have that response. It's like, hell no, you won't. Anyway, (laughs) but it kind of makes me curious, though. I kind of want to run an experiment at our stores. Like, make one store Mm
0: -hmm.
1: have like scripted customer interactions. Yeah.
0: I think your customers would freak out.
1: Yeah, totally. Maybe they would, but then, like, but then to have some measurement of how did that affect sales? Mm-hmm. How did that affect employee satisfaction? Mm-hmm. You know, do they actually sell more coffee or whatever if mm-hmm. they have a script? But are more miserable in their job? Yeah, like that's kind of what I think the outcome would be. Mm-hmm. I think they would sell more and be less happy.
2: Oh, interesting. Yeah. That kind of makes so sense. My theory. It'd be an interesting experiment. So. It would be.
1: <laughs> I don't, not a spring yellow.
2: <laughs> Let's let them keep doing their thing.
0: <clears throat> oh, that's great. I love that. Well, I'm <laughs> glad. And I I'm I have, you know, I think we mentioned this on the last episode, but I've just been noticing how many more people seem to be going out. Oh, yeah. Like I went to um just solo went to dinner the other night looking for something to eat. Didn't want to cook anything. And, uh, went to one of our favorite restaurants in town, Contigo. So good. And, uh, <laughs> cause Contigo is like, um, <clears throat> an outdoor dining mm-hmm. place. There, there's no inside to Contigo. Um, and that, we've been there a couple of times over the last year. And mm-hmm. usually it's like, you know, there's three or four other tables mm-hmm. of people there. Um, and so I expected to just, like, drive up and park and walk right in because <laughs> this is the life that you're accustomed to now. Uh, but it was never the life that existed before. No. You know? And so I walked up, and there was a line of people outside. I had to wait <laughs> to talk what? to the hostess. <laughs> and then I, I said, "How you know, table for one. She said, it'll be about an hour. And I was like, holy hell!
1: <laughs> for table for one? Yeah. That is shocking, actually.
0: So... I was really excited about it, though. It was like, oh, right. This is what it used to be like. Mm-hmm. And I was looking around, and there's all these people. And I felt very safe about it. Like, it's all outside. This is great. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad people are coming back and enjoying what this town has to offer. It's a gorgeous day in March. Mm-hmm. This is what people should be doing. Yeah. And I'm so glad. And that's a huge change, you know?
1: And did you wait with joy, or did you leave?
0: Uh well, neither. <laughs> neither. Well, so they've got, so I decided to not get a table. You can also not do dinner service, and mm-hmm. you can just order appetizers and drinks at the bar. Mm-hmm. And they've got a little area that's, you know, of seating for that. So I just did that. Mm. So I got some apps and a cocktail and
1: enjoyed Happiness myself. Can be. I was very
0: happy. Yeah. But it's funny, like, I also have myself finding the opposite reaction
2: because. You Know we've kind of had to be at be out in this the whole time, so it's like you kind of have formed a, a somewhat comfortableness of being out and about. And, and now, as everybody's coming, out, I'm like, no, no, actually, everybody go home
0: because <laughs> <laughs> the traffic's getting the worse. Traffic's and, getting worse yeah. The traffic
1: gym. is what I will not, uh, yeah, love to come back. Yeah, I was coming back already. Mm-hmm. Um, not all the way, but it's not dealing with traffic was awesome.
2: I mean, I do say that somewhat, like, more as a joke, because, like, I do love seeing our city come back alive. Like, I think that's...
1: Well, it's like we have to get back into the mindset of, oh, right, I need to get a reservation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I've just forgotten about the whole process of needing to get a reservation somewhere.
2: Yeah. Or it's not 15 minutes to get somewhere, it's 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, like, across town or something like that.
1: Right. It's like you have to readjust your protocol. Mm Mm-hmm for being out
2: it's like being surprised like whenever it first happened it was like being surprised at five o'clock was like oh man i got here in like 10 minutes and now you're going back to like oh no i have to plan like between four thirty and five or six o'clock that's the window that you are not going to make very fast yeah you know? yeah so oh it's kind of it's kind of nice to have to kind of think about those things again
0: i agree
1: <laughs> yeah and how long though how long until we start bitching yeah, <laughs> so,
2: uh, like, uh,
1: ah. cannot get a reservation in this town
2: <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but good for restaurants man they've just they've mm-hmm. suffered the the worst restaurants and bars here it's mm-hmm. like so the amount of like
1: gymnastics and studios and dance studios add, add that there you go. that was another thing i had to forgive the city for the way they treated Eskina. Mm, mm. So mad about that.
2: Yeah, that was kind of shitty. Oh, yeah. Can about? you tell that?
1: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, poor little Esquina, right? It's this tiny little dance studio. Our, you know, The owner is a good friend of ours. They've been open at the same location for, 15, it'll be 15 years.
2: That's right when we started.
1: And they have a tiny inside studio, which obviously, I mean, all the dance studios in town shut, closed for months and months. Mm-hmm. Um and then finally i think it was in september they came up with this brilliant plan they built like a dozen individual platforms put them in their parking lot so that they could have socially distanced dance classes and socials outside outside Mm -hmm. um mass still required anyhow so they put this in play for a couple weeks and then the neighbors Behind them, who have only lived there for five years but have known this little dance studio exists, complained to the city about the noise. And, uh, you know, Esquina Tango appealed to the city, uh-huh. started a petition, had thousands of people sign it. Mm-hmm. Saying, Really? Yeah. Saying, um, It was oh, maybe like.
2: Monica's like special. She's I mean, like. I think about 2,000 people signed it.
1: Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I mean, this little, I mean, it's a cultural gem on the East Side. And, um, but th- there's a weird, because they're a nonprofit, they fall under um, commercial uh, noise. Yeah. What's that term? Like your noise levels, mm-hmm. whatever. They fall under commercial noise levels, but they're not technically a commercial operation if they had been if they had been under like residential noise ordinance they would have been fine but because they're whatever so the city ruled in favor of these people and made them turn off the music <clears throat> And I, I mean, I was just That's like... That's interesting.
0: So if they were under residential rules, <clears throat> it wouldn't have been a problem.
1: Mm-mm.
0: So the commercial rules are tighter. Mm-hmm. In commercial spaces, your noise has to be lower. Yeah. That seems opposite of what I would expect.
1: Um, And it has to do with like what hours of the day. Hmm. So their, I think their latest event was going to like 9, thirty, ten, 10. Hmm. But... You know, these neighbors found it unbearable. And I just, I could not believe the city ruled in favor of those neighbors. I mean, this tiny little organization is just struggling, mm-hmm.
2: <laughs>
1: struggling. And
2: trying to be creative and, and find ways to like keep things moving. Keep, and, it's and, like, you know?
1: and so then, you know what they've done? They've um, now created silent disco style dance classes. God.
0: The yeah, creativity seems, is amazing.
1: Uh, I mean, th- is just, that
0: good? Is that cool? Have you done it?
1: No, I haven't been. The first one was last weekend. I couldn't go.
0: Like silent disco sounds cool, but like silent dance disco seems something like something's not going to work
1: about that. I don't know. I haven't been. It doesn't. It doesn't sound optimal, but for me, just the sheer fortitude to push forward yeah, with that—that's awesome. I'm like, wow, that so much respect.
2: Well, it's so much amazing. Like seeing so many businesses like be so creative like that. Like, okay, Hey, we came against first. We come against the pandemic and we can't have, you know, classes inside or, or, you know, socials and that kind of stuff. And then they're like, okay, we can't do that. Well, let's move outside. See how we can do that. Oh, okay. The noise rights, Okay. Silent disco, you know, type stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, it's, that's the entrepreneurial spirit is sort of like, okay, here's my limitations. What can I do within those limitations? Okay, limitations are even more strict. What can I do within that? It's like yeah. it's like that is that's what makes an entrepreneur. It's like whatever the world throws at you or circumstances, it's like you have to be able to think outside the box and continue to shift and mold and stuff. And so I mean my head's off to Monica in that area. Like that's just her fortitude in that area was just I don't know, it's inspiring, honestly. Yeah, but. That doesn't make it any less shittier, but yeah. <laughs> but it's really cool. No,
1: I mean we've definitely wanted to quit.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Well, what are y'all looking forward to as things start changing? All I know is I am
2: I am super excited. Like I think right now, I think for us who've been in Austin for a long period of time. It's like, we really have a, an amazing opportunity to really define and lead what is happening in Austin right now. Um, I think it'll be, it'll be hard, but there's so many people moving here. There's so many businesses, headquarters. I mean, it's insane. Um, so I really want to just see Austin like lead and bring people into the city and, and, and kind of like indoctrinate them into what is Austin. Mm -hmm. That's my hope. And, um, so I'm also kind of, I'm, I'm excited about that. I think there's a lot of, for a lot of businesses that have maybe not as much room before the pandemic might have more room to, to do and be something,
0: uh, bigger, more, whatever, you know, so by virtue of the fact of, uh, that there's inherent opportunity mm-hmm. in change. Totally yeah. change. Uh, uh, more people
2: coming. So supporting more of the businesses that are here that, right. I mean, cause before more people this, to serve. Yeah. Cause before this it was, it was, it was getting a little bit, it was getting a little bit tight, I think for businesses mm-hmm. too. I mean, cause it was sort of, Everyone, we're all trying to jam all this stuff into one cool space, you know? And I think this has actually created more opportunities because, uh, you know, round rock Cedar park, Bastrop, you know, all the way up to even like Buda. It's like Austin is no longer, it's no longer just about the central aspects of Austin. Right. It's, it's really, in fact, even more of the opportunities from an entrepreneurial p- perspective is outside the central Austin area. Hmm,
0: interesting. How do you export austin mm-hmm. into the suburbs
2: yeah because i mean a lot of us that live here are all, are moving out into that because it's not as affordable but you right. still want those amenities and now those are those are places that i think austin businesses specifically have an opportunity to also expand into right uh, those places so i don't know i think there's a i think it's kind of exciting in that respect
1: On the other hand <laughs> I'm still too traumatized to look forward I, so much You don't of me, feel like
0: you can look forward yet
1: no, so much of me still feels like just one day at a time, hmm. which is survival mode, right um like it feels too much has happened and 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 this is probably particular to me my this past. Month in particular has been really traumatizing, re-traumatizing for me. So uh, I still can't really put any eggs in a basket for good times ahead. Why?
2: Why this month specifically?
1: Um. Well, with this Mm snowstorm crisis that was re-traumatizing for me uh, on a lot of levels and then my brother dying. Oh,
2: that's sure, yeah.
1: right. Mm-hmm. Um, that... It's a big one. Yeah. So it just all feels like my nervous system is, is not back to normal. And the mask thing really did help. I'm like, on a physical level, I felt something lift off of me or something release um but I think my my physical self is still not doesn't feel like everything's everything's good now. Hmm.
0: Um yeah, for sure not. I mean yeah. everything's still mostly the same. Right. It's just like you see the one blue bonnet. It's just one right. it's just one blue bonnet. Right. But it's 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 news of what's to come. You know.
1: It's like these little bursts of hope and mm-hmm. You know, this my one dance studio opened back up with kind of normal (laughs) protocol. It's like, oh, the one class is back. Um, but but I just I can't get my mind just won't make plans for later. Yeah, which is and that's I mean that's personal to me, which is um,
0: fine. I don't think you really can necessarily. Because we don't know. Well, some
1: people can, like him.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I'm thankful. Like, <clears throat> I'm thankful for that not everybody was traumatized by this. Yeah. Um, a lot of people were, but not everybody. And... Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard. Cause like, I mean, we were always facing sort of like the terminal aspect of our business throughout this whole thing, you know? And... However, it's, it's I don't know, I, I feel like there's, there's a lot of things that I've learned over the years as far as like when things are the hardest, it's like that's the place you have the most opportunity for growth. And not just like business-wise, but personally, and it's like, and so I, I, I think having gone through this year and all the other things that you and I have gone through, 15 years of business specifically, it's like, it's like, we have learned so much through the really difficult and hard things and times and it's lessons that we are almost invaluable, you know? So it's like, so I think also through, as we've gone through this pandemic, it's like, there's a lot of like looking, how do we build things to come out on the other side of this in a better position, you know? Um, And so, um, I feel like there's been a lot of opportunities in that area to grow in spaces that I might not have done <clears throat> if this pandemic hadn't, hadn't come to us. You know, I think even like you and I Matt, like just a lot of the things that we were learning financially and, and how to plan for the future and assets and a lot of stuff like that. <clears throat> I don't know when I would have learned that. Hmm. And even like whenever we, we talked yesterday, I was like, I was kind of jealous a little bit of you, like, like, I never think of our age difference at all, you know? Mm. <laughs> and you said you were 38. I was like, I was like, fuck you, dude, you got five <laughs> years. Like I'm learning this now at mm. 43. And it's like, I was, I was kind of jealous when you said that. Cause like, I don't ever think that's of that funny. between you and I, you know, it's like, <clears throat> but at the same time, I was like, damn, that's crazy. It's like, I wish I would have learned it at that age, you know, mm. which is hilarious to even say like, I, I, yeah. I can't even say that with a straight face, you know? <laughs> uh, but But I feel like this, this year has pushed us into places that were opportunities to learn that we would not have had if it didn't, if it didn't happen, you know? Yeah. And that's not, that doesn't make it comfortable or good or whatever. It's like, it's, but I feel like a lot of times we have to be forced to learn things because we won't learn them outside
0: of that, Hmm. outside of those circumstances. It's interesting. I was, uh, recently listening to, Oh, who was it? I don't remember a a historian who's on a podcast talking about, he's written a couple of books about, um, counterfactuals to history. Hmm. So, you know, we study history, we study what happened. Um, we don't yet in the present, we think a lot about what's going to happen
2: mm-hmm.
0: and we don't study what we thought people what what people thought was going to happen in the past hmm. you oh, so to study those counterfactuals, mm-hmm. you know things worked out a certain way, yet everyone expected it to be a different way mm-hmm. and it's like that all of their energy and planning and expectation was going a different direction mm-hmm. um, and what would have what would life what would the ramifications be of it going that direction Mm -hmm. rather than the direction that it went? Yeah. It's a really interesting, um, you can apply it to Bitcoin
2: right now. Mm -hmm. Like right now there's this, there's a one, one narrative that's, it's going to be this, this at this place that's going to change how we do think of it financially. Yeah. And then other people are thinking like, no, this is like a bubble and it's going to burst and, get humbled
0: you know (laughs) right well I'm just thinking you know it's easy to look back on the last year and Mm -hmm. and see the loss yeah it's easy to see the difficulty the Mm -hmm. pain the grueling nature of the last year yeah okay so wouldn't it be great if that didn't happen Mm. yeah but what would you have to give up to have that not happen Mm -hmm. you know I think like about lessons learned or something like that? Sure. Okay. I mean, for one thing, okay, last year, um I re myself how to play guitar. That hmm. I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. So, okay, I get to undo pandemic, but I also lose uh that. Yeah. You know, the counterfactual here is that if I yeah, if I if I give that up. There's other things that go along with giving that up. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's worthwhile to think about what was afforded to you Mm -hmm. that wouldn't have been otherwise. And I don't think the purpose of that thought experiment is to say, you know, oh, silver lining, or, um, you know, hey, there's just as much good as there is bad. But just to say, you know, it's easy to say I wish things hadn't gone this way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not so easy. It's not so obvious, I think, what what you have gained and learned mm-hmm. that you're not identifying to yourself in that formulation.
2: Yeah.
0: So, maybe maybe what I'm saying is a little gratitude is in order. Mm-hmm. Most likely. Alongside the grief and the loss and the anger and everything else, just remember that's not the whole picture,
1: mm-hmm. right? There was a interesting like thought experiment I did with one of the with some of the moms, in my art group. Um, oh
2: yeah, mention that. That's kind of cool. Uh,
1: yeah, it was fun as they were talking. It was our final session, and we were. Um, you know, everyone's going through sharing their stories about their mother journey, which obviously has included pen- being massively affected by the pandemic. And I kept thinking, what would their future selves say hmm. to them right now? Yeah. Like, what would their grandma self, your grandfather self, telling? the story of living through the pandemic, what would he say to you Hmm. right now? Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I think about that. You mentioned your mother's, um, I don't know if we've explained that quite fully on the podcast, but you work with new moms Mm -hmm. and you've been doing that even through the pandemic, mostly through zoom calls. But, Mm -hmm. um, I think, well, for me, one of the hardest things about the pandemic was being a father
2: hmm.
0: because, and maybe specifically a single father
2: hmm.
0: trying to work and my kids being here full time homeschooling, um, really, really difficult. But I think, I don't know if it was you or someone else, Allison, that mentioned this at some point. Which is that, you know, the counterfactual to the pandemic is all of these these new mothers who had babies um, would be spending, in all likelihood, much less time with their babies in real world, mm-hmm. pre-pandemic world, and the pandemic, while di- uniquely difficult, it's like it also means kids everywhere are spending more time with their parents. Mm. And in some cases, that's really negative, you know, like mm-hmm. reports of child abuse have gone oh, yeah. wildly down mm-hmm. because the kids aren't going to the places where that would be reported. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe child abuse is up to some degree. Um, but to a larger degree, you know, to the extent that the majority of us don't abuse our children, hopefully that's true, um, that means that for better or worse, kids are spending more time with their parents. And I'm inclined to say that that is better even when it feels worse, Mm. you know, so like it's felt really hard and really stressful for me Mm -hmm. parenting. But I think that especially younger children spending more time with their parents is net better for them in the long run, regardless of how difficult it is or stressful, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, or argumentative or whatever. Yeah. So, Hmm. That's, that's just interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I when I think about my future self addressing my current self, there is a tone of compassion and uh, respect uh for like wow you you did something really hard hmm. and look how well you did despite the circumstances those moments that you were present yes you fell apart yes you had a breakdown yes you did this and that but but you were there and you You know, I I, I could name whatever amount of things, but I don't feel that, I don't feel successful at all Mm -hmm. in terms of parenting right now. Right. But my future self does.
0: That's great. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. what genuinely good parent (laughs) would say, I'm successfully parenting? You know, if if somebody, if you're having a, a conversation with another parent, and they're like, "I'm no, I'm a really successful parent. I'm a really good parent," your first response is going to be like, "Evidence right there that you're not. That's <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you're not seeing something here."
1: Yeah, but but why? But is- your
0: future self can observe outside of. What you need to observe right now and judge that and say, yes, you are a good parent.
1: But why is it like that? Because if, if you, if that same like dynamic was applied to your job and you go and talk to someone about your job and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm a shit coder. <laughs> I'm the worst. I mean, I, I'm like barely hanging on as a coder. <laughs> 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 <I love this>. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like you would not say that. No, it's like you, what you want in a future employee. Like say if this was an interview, you want to be like, "Yeah, I'm not, you know, I've got a lot to learn, but I'm com- but I'm doing I'm really confident in this. I've learned this. Like here's my skills. Like I'm competent. <laughs> like a, just a basic a sense of your own competence <laughs> is what you would desire—not arrogance, not like yeah. some narcissistic, a grand self-aggrandizing view of yourself. But like parenting, like we should be like, yeah, I'm not perfect, but I'm competent. Like, I'm doing, I'm doing my best, and my best is good enough. <laughs> Even you get what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, but I don't think that you're comparisons there are one-to-one like for, for 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 example being a parent isn't a job yeah it is well insofar as that it's work yes but a job is defined by well in the coding world acceptance <laughs> criteria okay so if somebody says i'm a shit coder it's like well by what definition like, there was something that was laid out for you to do. It was clearly defined. The expectation was that you could do it. So, could you or couldn't you? Like, it's all very... It's all... You're dealing with defined terms here. Mm-hmm. That's not what being a parent is. Like, you are doing something undefinable and... um. Well, and ever-changing. you know you have a job, you show up, you know what your job is to do. You're a parent, you wake up, you don't really show up, you just wake up and you're already there. And you know, who, what's your job? Who are they? These are other people. Who are these people? You know, at some level, you know because you've been there since they emerged, but they're becoming. Who are they becoming? you don't know Mm -hmm. they don't know absolutely especially they don't know and your job is to be some weird fucked up mirror to them (laughs) and then them to you it's like there's no acceptance criteria here you know except that maybe you help them become the best version of themselves that they can be but who is that you know it's i don't think in that way it's not a job it's a it's discovery.
1: Okay. Well, even, but even in that I would want that people feel competent, feel confident in their, in their way. That's the other,
0: that's the other way that it breaks down from the job analogy though. How do you become competent at a job? Well, you do the job. And the job stays the same. Yeah, well,
1: your perspective is really depressing, though. It feels like, <laughs> oh, become a parent and you're just going to feel like an incompetent like a-hole that doesn't know what the hell they're doing for the rest of your life. Have fun. <laughs> like, okay. we can't go through it like that.
2: Well, I think there's, I, for, I mean, like, I think part of it is like understanding your your shortcomings, but then also what you bring to the table. You know, it's like, I think that's. I think that's the valuable thing about being a parent is like, get rid of like, I'm going to do this perfect or right. And it's like, you just kind of, a lot of it's just showing up and, and engaging with whatever the situation is. You know, it's like, um, you know, each one of our kids are so different and, you know, a lot of times you know what the hell you're doing. It's like, you just do the best you can. And it's like, that's all there is. It's like, I think also becoming a parent, you understand your parents a lot more. It's like it's like you, you kinda of just show up and you give your best. Sometimes you fail, sometimes you have a I have a win, you know, and and I think it's just not putting too much on yourself as far as like <clears throat> yeah. trying to yeah. like be something that is impossible.
0: And well I think there's some, something so interesting about that. It's like that's that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. In contrasted with a job in which the idea of competence comes from experience. And that's predicated on the idea that the job that you're doing doesn't change. Like it changes in some degree, but it's like, uh, okay, I'm a barista. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I show up and I make coffee every day. My job doesn't change. The coffee needs to be made. You know, I have some leeway within that where i can improve or or whatever but i become competent becoming competent as a parent is a whole different ordeal because the job changes every single day as you're
2: i would push back on this in in this area because like it's like i think anytime it becomes a job it loses it's like whether it's being a parent or being a barista or whatever it's like you stop thinking about the creativity, you know, in the, in the dynamic aspect of what you're doing. Because, yes, you can go through the motions of being a parent, a barista, an owner, or whatever it might be. And there's a certain amount of success that you may or may not attain to. But that's what, for me, like when I see the difference between a barista who
0: is, it's a job, it's like, it's, it's very mechanical. I totally agree with what you're saying. Okay, I, I think you're missing my point though. Okay, because if I'm a barista and I show up to my job, mm-hmm. I've been working there for six months, mm-hmm. and you say, "Have you done this job before? Have you been a barista before?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Have you have you been a barista who makes cappuccinos before?" Yeah, I have. Like, there's no question about that answer. Mm-hmm. But when you're a parent, <laughs> okay. I, and your kid turns season. two <laughs> and I ask you, have uh-huh. you parented a toddler before? Uh-huh. You're like, no, yeah, I've never done this job before. Uh-huh. I've parented a one-year-old, uh-huh. you know, and that remains true through all of these seasons, mm. you know, all the way up to, it's like my kids turned into teenagers recently and mm. I, and I felt immediately disqualified. <laughs> like it was day one uh-huh. of their lives. You know, that's not to say, I mean, I totally agree with you about when it when it when anything becomes a job, you well, you're losing. Yeah. But I think parenting is uniquely categorically not a job. Yeah. In I some agree. in some sense. So you, you're you're constantly learning, and so you're constantly failing, mm-hmm. and maybe you know the the point here is that. Maybe the best jobs, the most successful jobs would be jobs in which what is true of parenting is true in your job.
2: Hmm.
0: If you're constantly learning and constantly failing and constantly improving and constantly getting to know what you do. I mean, that sounds to me like an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That sounds to me like a very successful person. So maybe the definition of a successful person (laughs) to contrast with the original point of like a parent who says they're a successful parent you know okay i'm going to need some evidence for that because you telling me that is telling me that you don't have what it takes to be a successful parent and this is a paradox in some sense a parent who says to me i every day failing and learning and getting to know what this means i would say you're a brilliant parent yeah like <clears throat> you are killing it mm-hmm. because that's exactly what the job requires it's like parenting is the ultimate entrepreneur <laughs> <laughs> you're literally making people
2: uh-huh. <laughs> and it's changing every day and you have yeah. to like maneuver to each change and that's mm. interesting I'm, I'm like I'm seeing a book here right now
0: parenting as entrepreneurship <laughs> parenting the ultimate entrepreneur <laughs> <laughs> but it's true it's like you're requires kind of, no venture capital <laughs> no
2: exactly just a sperm donation or an egg
0: <laughs> so
2: good <laughs> and then magically Allison's giving cold (laughs) eyes
1: here perhaps but to circle back to my original point I feel like parenting during the pandemic if you were a parent during the pandemic you deserve yes an extra stimulus check I agree (laughs) extra brownie (laughs) points extra something because yeah
0: whatever you expected parenting to be, you did not expect it to be
1: like it this. Was, it was extra.
0: You know. well,
2: as far as like maybe probably wrapping up, I don't know, we're probably at an hour or so. Do we want to go further? or it's probably a good point. We're okay. at about an hour and 20. Is there anything we want to like leave with? Or you guys have anything that's uh, outstanding in what we need to say?
0: <laughs> I just want to say cheers everybody for yes. Getting through the last year mm-hmm. and all of the difficulties that you had to endure and they are unique to you. And in some sense, no one can understand them. And in another sense, we can all understand each other. And um I just want to celebrate that and say, you know, no one expected this to happen. No one expected it to last this long. It's still going on. Mm-hmm. But hey, it's been a year. Let's, you know, just like we do every New Year's or birthday or anniversary we put our attention not on what it it wasn't that we wanted it to be not on what it was that we didn't want it to be but on what it was that delighted us surprised us united us edified us mm-hmm. inspired us and then Take a an unrealistically positive <laughs> look oh. at what the future might be, mm-hmm. and it seems like is a good opportunity to do that. So, I just say cheers to that. I like that. You got anything, babe?
1: Or if you're in a place like me, that feels like too much pressure.
0: (laughs) You can also just be like, it's St. Patty's Day. Yeah, it's St. Patty's Day. The (laughs) only pressure you need is just to cheers the glass. (laughs) And then you can say, you know what, fuck it, I disagree. And I'm not going to do these resolutions.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to cheers today because today was a good day.
0: It was a good day. And I'm all
2: about onwards and upwards right now. So. Absolutely,
1: you hopeless optimist Hopeless,
2: <laughs> hopeless, hopeful. Optimists. I'd say hopeful, Relent-
1: relentless, relentless, relentless optimist,
2: yeah.
1: which the world needs.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Punch me in the face. I'll kiss you on the cheek.
0: <laughs> alright Try that later punch you in the dick. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> there's a Language. whole There's a whole joke <laughs> behind that. This <which> is great. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Is I still, I
2: still like that though.
0: inside joke.
1: Inside oh, joke. Okay.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: All right, guys. Thanks for coming to the shores. We're here, always here. Absolutely. Yeah. Love you guys. Love you. Bye. What is this joke?